Welcome to Quantum Recast. This is Nick, and I'm joined today on our mini-sode, Quantum Dreamcast, with Cass. Hi! Hello. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is the most wonderful time of the year, depending on who you ask. And this podcast, um, that's October for about two-thirds or two-fourths of the of the team. Yeah. I don't know where Ash stands on it, honestly. We'll have yeah. to ask him at some point. But I was wondering that, too. This is our episode to kick off the holiday season of Christmas. And Cass, you came to me and you said, first thing, that I, I think this was back in October when I brought up that we were doing this. And you were like, can we please do Krampus? And I was like, <laughs> yes, yes, we can do Krampus. That is fine. I think that will be good. So here we are. And yeah, if you clicked on the link, you know what we're jumping into. We're taking the movie from 2015 Krampus and we're moving it to the early 90s. So as you may or may not know with these Dreamcast minisodes, we do not adhere to the rules as strictly. It's a little more loosey-goosey here. That's a terrible phrase for that a 35-year-old man to say. But uh, we're keeping it loose. And so we'll explain a little bit of that as we get into the actual casting. But before we do that, we'd like to talk a little bit about the movie and give you a little, 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 little brief rundown of everything before we jump right in. Are you ready, Cass? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. So Krampus, like I said, it was released in 2015. It was directed by Michael Doherty. Um, I think I said that right. It's like Do E R T Y. But Sorry? he directed uh, Godzilla: King of the Monsters in 2019. He also directed Trick or Treat, which is also a great uh, movie. And he also wrote, super, helped write Superman Returns, X2, X Men United, and <sighs> Trick or Treat, as as well as this movie. Um, he was joined by two other writers, Todd Casey, who helped out writing Avengers, and he's. I guess it's had a role writing on Star versus the Forces of Evil. Uh, I believe that's a Cartoon Network. Cartoon. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Zach Shields also had writing credits. He also just helped out on Godzilla versus Kong and King of the Monsters. So a little, nice. little unit here, if you will, of writers. Nope. No wonder why I like this movie. So the critic, useless critic scores, Cass, they do not bode well for our Krampus movie. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes, there's a 66 critic score out of 100. The audience is worse at 52. Uh, Metacritic gives it a 49, which is to be expected of Metacritic. Yeah. IMDb, 6.2 score of users. And Letterboxd, it has a 2.9. So it's yeah. generally middling to above average for a lot of people, which I don't understand. No, no. And I remember when I first watched it back in 2015 in mm -hmm. theaters, um, <laughs> my first date ever. Um I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun film, and this was yeah. like before I got into like like movies as I am now. But like, mm. I just remember at that time, like, yeah, you have your moments where you laugh at it and you find it humorous or like unserious. But like watching it now at twenty four, I actually love it a lot because I think it has a nice balance of like you know family. Just it, it, it's very I don't want to use the word angsty, but that's kind of like you know it's just very emotional at times and scary because well, you have like, with a lot of just family issues yeah and, the, and it does it in other than like obviously the horror elements and the krampus magical right. elements like the human conflict is real and, and yeah. understandable and the characters aren't even even you know like howard and his family like they're mm -hmm. not super exaggerated like they're yeah. they're real people that you're like i i know I have, these people i have I family like that <laughs> right you're like it, it, moving it to the uh, 90s which will talk a little bit more in detail but it's so close to christmas vacation now mm -hmm. as i was watching it through and like thinking of casting i was like 
I was almost having to sit there and be like, just don't cast everybody from Christmas vacation. Like just avoid that. But it's, but really what you do when you move it to here is you're kind of making it really, it's like anti that. And it's like the anti home alone. It's yeah. almost going like, this is counter product, uh, counter product for people that are like, I'm sick of these schmeltzy Christmas. Like those three would be a fun, like you're, you're going slow, like, from like true like Christmas to like anti Christmas almost. Yeah. Like well, it's... and I think like that's what I love about the movie so much because yes, I am a horror fan, but I am someone that like you know has watched a decent amount of Christmas movies. But I'm like you know let me have something that's not so happy, which is sad to say. It's a little scary to I say it that way. I don't want to be happy during <laughs> <I> Christmas. <laughs> I don't want to happy. Sad. But I just, I think that's what I like about it because there is a horror aspect to it. And it is scary mm-hmm. to think about like, you know, this is the most wonderful time of the year and it's like, no, shit's yeah. about to go down. Like, I think you, I think you nailed it on, on the head at the top of this was saying that it just balanced. It's so yeah. good at balancing all those different elements, like the horror to the family stuff. It never really dives into like the true, like schmaltzy kind of, mm-hmm. oh, it's Christmas scene. It's great. It's, oh, there's, a, there's a few parts of that, but it, it, it runs the gauntlet of comedy to horror to, to true like uh just drama going on yes. with the family yep. but it also i think aesthetically gets a lot of things right like mm-hmm. between like the designs of the christmas even the opening at the mall you know yeah. which which it gets us into that sets the tone of like this is modern it's talking about capitalism it's showing that the darker side of christmas and mm-hmm. then family and then it jumps into the family having issues and just not getting along at all which happens I have yeah. I saw so many memes about Thanksgiving and everybody that's just drinking during Thanksgiving and I turned to my mom I was like do people do people just do is this just normal for people like <laughs> we're not a we're not a drinking family obviously but like but I was just like you know I, I, even if like it was an option I maybe like one or two but that's yeah. I'm not going to go nuts with it but some people it seems like they just have to to get through the holidays and this family probably did the same I'm sure uncle Howard was getting on everyone's nerves yeah <laughs> No, and yeah, go ahead. No, but with what you just said about Thanksgiving, um, to be on that opposite spectrum, um, no, my family's not a drinking family, but it's like, yes, there is times that like it's like, oh God, this certain family member's coming by, like, how are we gonna get through it? So it's like hearing that for like everybody I think everybody yeah, everybody has that one a family member, a group of family, yes, a a, a unit of family. They're (laughs) like, Okay, we just gotta get through the next three days. Oh gosh. But no, I think it, I think it does well with that. And, and you know, it also does a great job of raising the stakes. Sometimes I feel like horror movies, it's like there's one wild instance and then you're like, well, that was interesting. And then it kind of doesn't pay off completely. But this movie does so well, like even yeah. even though it, and it doesn't show us. I'm a big fan of the slow burn. Don't show the creature the entire time until the end. And it does a good job with that with Krampus. Yes. But then we're, we're unexpectedly we're introduced to these gingerbread men to the, the toys, toys in the attic. And then the elves also become oh my like this God. big factor. Like I, I forgot about the elves, but rewatching it, I was like, Oh, that's right. Like, cause you think like they got it, they finish it off. And it's such a good moment of, of pulling the rug out on the family. Cause like the, the uh, Omi is just like elves and they just rush in, <laughs> grab half the people. And you're like, Oh Aunt gosh. Dorothy just yeah. goes right out the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And then uh, the thing, or what was it under the snow? There was that as well. That was like yes. sucking up mm-hmm. at, like almost everyone. I think maybe was that the? It wasn't the Jack of the Box character, but it could have been like something like yeah. that. I would think. I think I, it was something like it because I don't even mm-hmm. remember. If, did we ever see it? I think we did. 
we I might have. Remember. I don't quite remember. But I'll have to rewatch again. But the, yeah, yeah. The, I think they did such a good job creating creatures that made sense to be akin and a tie to Krampus. It's it, but yes. it's all just dark Santa stuff. Like I mean, the gingerbread cookies being evil, the toys being evil, the elf, like it's all. It, but it all makes sense. Yeah, and it's not just it doesn't. It comes out of nowhere, but in a good way. Where you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is insane. Well, especially the attic yeah. scene. The attic scene, like <laughs> I remember. I, to quickly talk about when we watched it for the first time, like me and Corey and our group went to watch it. And once the attic thing happened, you're just like, oh my God, this is insane. What is happening? But in the best way possible. Like, and they're the, the design of each of them from like the teddy bear with the teeth to the, yep. yeah, the Jack, the creepy Jack in the box with like the mime mask to the flying, like harpy thing, angel thing. Like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all just hitting the right notes of like, this is way too creepy. In a but it, uh, yeah. In a good way. Mm-hmm. And, I think that's like why I even like the gingerbread scene so well too, because like they look like, you know, real like gingerbread cookies. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they just come to life, get bit on the head by Howie Jr. And it just becomes like a whole thing where they are able to like tie him up, get him up the damn chimney. And it's just, it's, it's really, really cool how they did that with everything. And even Mm -hmm. towards the end, Krampus was even really cool looking. And I think that's what I like about this movie yes. is that it does base it off like the actual like lore of mm-hmm. Krampus. Right. It's it's a well I, I think it's a well done horror movie. Even if you even want to call it that, it, it's it's a Christmas horror movie is yeah. obviously what it is, but it, it blends the elements of drama, comedy, horror, and the you know Yuletide kind of themes that are mm-hmm. often in those type of movies really well. Because because I think I would not sit down and watch this movie with my mom, but it, it is a good. <laughs> I, I like to call these a lot of them Christmas adjacent movies where they're mm-hmm. not like those typical family friendly movies, but there's something that you watch to ease you into the Christmas season. Oh, yeah. I think I think Krampus is is a Christmas movie. Yeah. 100%, but it, it has those elements of those movies that are like, I wouldn't just sit down and watch this with certain family members, you know, so it's a good Kickstarter, like like a Die Hard and stuff to, to start December with. I think. Yeah, definitely. So my question for you, speaking of gingerbread men, so we're moving this to the early 90s. Those of you that are, were, were alive during then aren't aware of it. You know, this is the time of Tom Hanks. This is the early Disney Renaissance movies. We're talking about uh, the beginning of the big blockbuster movies like Jurassic Park and things like mm-hmm. that. That comes out towards the more towards the middle. But uh, like we said earlier, at 89, you get Christmas Vacation. Home Alone comes out in 1990. So a lot of these very family friendly uh, movies are coming out. Some holiday stuff as well with like the Santa Claus and things like that. Yeah, I think that this fits really well here as kind of counter programming for all of that. And I think even moving it to the 90s, just you you get even better. The the creatures, I think, still work really well. No, definitely. Yeah. And for me personally, I think the one thing that I wish had been real, the gingerbread men, I think this works for it because they get to be puppets now instead of CGI. That was the only thing I was just like, yeah, man, I would have enjoyed this. I think it would have been a lot better if the gingerbread men were, were quote unquote real. Well, and I think of like, since it's being like set more in the nineties, this is a couple years after child's play. So you're always kind of getting that same vibe of like how Chucky looked with like the toys. So it's just like, it's still going to have that same vibe. It won't be as maybe as creepy, Mm -hmm. like as it, it, it was in 2015, but you're still getting that, like these creepy, like, you know, toys or gingerbread or elves, like it'll still be done really, really well. Yeah, I think I think the the right word for it is when you have practical effects and realistic creature, even if they're, you know, a Jim Henson creation, a horror creation, there's mm-hmm. a tangibility to them. 
Yeah. It, you can reach out. It's it's real. It's it it's believable. When you have CGI, it's very hard to make that a thing when you're mm-hmm. just when it's only CGI based. But I do the yeah, I think that that's what was successful about Krampus in 2015 was the tangibility of most of it. But I think in 1990 that just becomes more so the case. Yeah. For sure. I mean, from the Krampus design, like you said, it's still going to be, it's early 90s. Things were dark then. We, we were selling R-rated movie toys to kids, so it's going to be fine. <laughs> the Toys the Attic, I think they'll all be fine and they'll translate well in a good 90s way. I think, but I do think the gingerbread men get the biggest beef uh, upgrade just because. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it will be that 90s style of, of you know, of, of puppetry and stuff. But I think it'll just be more, it'll just smooth everything out. Like it'll right. fit with everything better. I agree. Now, I do have a question before we get to my final question. There, there's the other part that I really like is the stop uh, animation sequence, stop motion animation. It's like a kind of, it's a blend of 2D, 3D, and it's coming off as a stop motion kind of look. It's when the grandma, Ami, is talking about when Krampus yeah. visited her. That also, I think the people that made this, were, I think we're just very aware of holiday movies as well as horror movies. And we're aware of like the touchstones and things to hit to make sure that it felt very Christmassy, very like the holidays. And that well, stop motion sequence, I think, nails it. Well, I think, think just... about the the director. He, you mentioned that he did Trick or Treat, and just think of like the stuff that he did in that, like with the comic books, and just yeah. making it feel like a Halloween like sort of situation or not situation, but movie. And that was fun. So it's like seeing it in Krampus is even cooler because of this uh, stop motion and giving you that Christmas vibe, but in a terrifying way. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think, I think I just love that too. And you, and you talked about this, like you think the grandma is creepy. The Ami is creepy. <laughs> and you, you're, you, to be fair, you're not wrong. We yeah. Look, you, you sent me the links on the internet, but I, we did have, we do have a friend who their grandma, she calls her grandma Ami. So it was very, she was like, this creeps me out. Cause this is too close to home <laughs> kind of situation. <laughs> I was like, Oh, so you've heard the story of Krampus. And she's like, yes. Oh my God. That's amazing. Sorry. But yeah, that, I think that's what's wild, too, is that really up until, you know, Krampus had come out there, I was not super aware of the like historical figure of Krampus. You know, they kept that out of, yeah. uh, of the uh, the all the Christmas movies. It's, it is weird because, I mean, there are dark elements to a lot of Christmas. I mean, Christmas Carol, but that's not really touching on the Santa mythology, mm-hmm. the uh, stop motion, the Rankin Bass claymation stuff from, you know, this from back in the day to, you know, the late 80s. It had dark elements to it. So I'm surprised that Krampus was never touched upon as much. You know, no, and it's point. and it's like whenever you think of like Christmas horror movies, you think of like, I don't know, Jack Frost. You think of um, like just the different types of like <clears throat> killer movies that they'll make where it's just a random yeah. serial killer mm-hmm. or just. Oh, Jack Frost is a, is, that's a wild one. That's a, that's that a fun one's ride. a, it's, that one's interesting. But, um, but like when you look at this movie, like there actually is a story behind it. Like there's mm-hmm. actually, and it's been around forever and it is a cool concept because it's not just like, oh, you've been naughty this year. You're getting cold. It's like, no, you don't well, have think, the Christmas spirit. Yeah. Krampus think, is coming. And that's. The tw- yeah. The 2010s and stuff around, you know, the turn of millennium, I think we've started to see more of a growing interest in Norse mythology, yeah. um, Norwegian war, like stuff like that. Cause yeah, I mean like the God of war video games shifted to Norse mythology. Yeah. You know, we had the Thor movies with Loki and stuff. And I, I think there's been a growing interest in that. You have, there's another movie, uh, rare exports that came out. Uh, oh yeah. I've heard of that time. one. 
2021. That's like Dark Santa, like if Santa was evil himself. Mm -hmm. Um, Krampus itself is actually a twin movie, if you did not know this. Um, Another horror movie called, it's literally called A Christmas Horror Story, uh, was released in 2015. It has William Shatner, uh, Rob Archer, George Booza. I don't know who that is. But basically, it's interwoven stories that take place on Christmas Eve. One of them involves Krampus. I I think it's Santa fighting Krampus. So it's very, very (laughs) wild. I might have to watch it's that like, this it's year. It's like a Freddy versus Jason. Sort Pretty of much, yeah. It's, it's very, I guess if Santa was evil too, that would be it would be that would be the equivalent to it. That's amazing. I think I've heard of that too, and I've never <clears> seen it. I just remember it coming out being like, oh, I guess we're just doing dark Christmas movies this year when when we had like multiples of those in the same year. All right, Cass, I have one one last question before we probably move into casting, and okay. so. Obviously, spoilers, we don't care about you if you're this far in because you clicked on it because you probably have watched Krampus. If not, I'm going to give you the warning here to like skip ahead five minutes, I guess. But, Cass, at the end of the movie, everybody's gone. Everybody's been taken. You know, Max, our lead character, he tries his best to, he begs Krampus to just let, take his wish back and get his family back. Krampus just mm-hmm. laughs in his face. A hole to hell basically opens up in the earth, dumps uh, his cousin into it, Stevie. And so he dives in after him. You think, yep. and then it, and then we get a, a you know a blackout basically, and he wakes up. It's Christmas morning. Everything's yep. fine, except like they suddenly get this boding sense that someone's watching them. The music hauntingly plays, and they zoom out, and they're in an ornament on a tree in what looks like Krampus's domain. So my yeah. question for you, you as a fan of Krampus and this ending, is the family dead? Like, are they in hell, or just just the dead? Are they? trapped in this magical ornament by Krampus or are they just alive and Krampus is watching them and it's more of this this warning to them Ooh. see and I think for the longest time I <clears throat> assumed that they were dead Yeah, but it was just almost like not to say like their souls and stuff but it's almost giving them like that false hope of hey you're gonna have now this happy like Christmas family time like so it's just like it's all fake so it's yeah. like Krampus is almost like watching and laughing like, haha, you're going to be stuck in this like, it's weird to use the word simulation, but that's the like mindset that I go to where I'm like, I wonder if it's almost like an ongoing, it's going to be like a later on ongoing thing. It's where Christmas every, every, every day. day it's <laughs> literally stuck. that idea that is in other movies, except this, it's, it's literally a punishment. <laughs> it's, it's terrifying. Some people might view that Christmas every day as a punishment. I do remember there's a, uh, what is it? Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas, there's a segment where Huey, Dewey, and Louie wish for every day to be Christmas. And that's the Uh only time, there's, I think there's one other, like, kids movie that may touch on that subject, where it just keeps going. And, you Mm -hmm. know, obviously it's Groundhog Day. You get tired of it, you you, you figure out, and it's really there to teach them a lesson of, like, hey, you should be a better person. Yeah. But But I, I, I do like what you said, like, that they're alive, and it's like... Krampus is like actually watching over them but I just feel like it's definitely deeper than that like it's definitely something like they're either dead or Mm -hmm. they are like I don't know being like punished because I just I don't know I I like the idea that they are like be I don't know it's it's an interesting question but -hmm. I think that's what I like about the ending is that you don't know but you just know how creepy it is that they're probably not the only family Mm -hmm. that went through this that right. there yeah, are these is... other ornaments and Krampus is watching. But I guess the real question is, yeah. is it, I was thinking about Omi, like, cause mm-hmm. Omi survived Krampus the first time. Yes. And she got that ornament mm-hmm. from Krampus. 
So obviously she didn't go back to him and say, hey, I want my life back like Max did. Mm -hmm. But she like, you know, was she being watched by Krampus the entire time? So is it like a sort of situation like, hey, this is my warning to you. Don't let this happen again. Yeah, because she she definitely was punished. Like she she was left without her family and stuff. Like he he took them. Yeah. So there is. But she didn't go to Krampus and say, I want my stuff back or my family back. But when he did that, Krampus laughed in his face and stuff, too. And, and there's the moment where Krampus is about to drop him in. And he says, like, I just wished Christmas was like it was before. Yep. And he just so. So I think they do a great job of just making it blurring the line and making it not completely like just easy to decipher and go, well, clearly yeah. they're this. Clearly they're that. I think it's it's one of the many good endings where there are multiple possibilities. For sure. But yeah, the yeah, idea definitely. of them being stuck in Christmas every day. And being stuck with each other, that would be that that that's a pretty dark and morbid ending as well. <laughs> I mean, being in hell and, and an ornament or something like that also is pretty bad. So I think either way, it's it's a fun what if or what do you, what asking people what they really think the ending of the movie is. Yeah, for sure. All right, Cass, we've talked a little bit about. Is there anything else that we should talk about? I think we'll talk deep dive these characters as we go further in on the casting here. Obviously, yeah. But I think we're ready to go. I think so. So we're going to start with our 30 seconds or less. And for those of you that are new to the show or, you know, are familiar with it, normally we have this. Normally there's three of us. And with Quantum Recast, uh, there's two different people giving cast lists. And one of us is picking between the two cast lists. On Dreamcast, it's just two of us discussing a movie we like that maybe you haven't heard of or seen or not. People aren't that familiar with. But. Right. It's this. This is more of a relaxed casting where we're just comparing and contrasting each other's cast lists that we've come up with. So, with that being said, thirty seconds or less, it's still the speedy version uh, section of our show where we quickly run through some supporting cast members that maybe don't need as much time to dive into, but we still like them and they're memorable. So, we want to give a little nod to them. Yeah. So, the four we have selected casts after discussing it, we have chosen Aunt Dorothy who's played by Conchata Farrell, if I'm saying that right. Most people know her from Two and a Half Men. Yeah. Uh, Beth Engel, uh, played, uh, that is Max's sister, mm-hmm. the main character. Steph, oh, this is a name. Stefania Levy yeah. Owen. Okay, I don't know anything she's from other than this. Uh, yeah. Stevie, played by Lolo Owen. These are kid actors, uh, so they they probably are just getting their start, or they, now they're, doing, they're in their 20s. Um, yeah. Stevie is Max's cousin, who's kind of the main one. I would say there's there's two do- two sisters, and they're very much uh, masculine, uh, masculine or butch yeah. or uh, you know tomboyish. Yep. But Stevie's kind of the the front facing, like one that has the most character time and stuff. And she's like you said earlier, she's the one who survives almost to the end with Max. Yes. Yep. And then we have Linda, who is Stevie's mom, uh, and she's more of a mousy, quieter character. That's not really good at standing up for herself, but is still wanting to have everybody have a Merry Christmas and stuff. She's played by Allison Tolman. So those are the four. So Cass, I'm going to let you, uh, we'll we'll go character by character, but I'll let you go first and tell me who you got for Aunt Dorothy. All right. So I went with Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. That's a good choice. That's someone I thought of as well. (laughs) Um, Almost put that down. So we almost had a match. Nice. But I put uh, Roseanne Barr. Uh, okay, yeah. Now, and I think, you know, the, the, both of these, you know, Conchata, uh, she's older. So she, yep. she's, so Aunt Dorothy is Linda 
and uh, I believe she's Linda and Sarah's aunt. That's where so. the, that's the family tree. But I kind of put it as like, well, we could cast her because they're both of these actresses are like in their late thirties or early forties. So I just put it that yeah. they're Howard's sister, um, the the other dad in the movie. So it just made it made it easier than trying to trying to find specific ages and stuff. But I think both these ladies could play it either way. If you ask oh, a hundred percent. But yeah, I, I think both pl- play to the 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 strengths of Conchata Farrell's role, where she's just she's more the country, speaks her mind, uh, everything. There's no filter going on with her, and everybody, and she's completely oblivious to like, why is everybody so mad? I'm just <laughs> I'm just here. No, I think I think that's pretty good. I Wasn't she not good. invited either, and she just came? Well, Lin- Linda like mentioned it to her, yes. so she was like, "Oh, I'm going to come," and then that's why everybody's like, "Why did you invite her?" She's the she's the family member. She's uh, she's family. Yeah. Okay, moving up, we got uh, Beth Engel again. This mm-hmm. is Max's sister. She gets caught. She's probably the she's one of the first ones to go. She goes to visit yep. her boyfriend down down the street, but gets lost in the blizzard and is taken from under the UPS van, I believe. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a van of a sort, yeah. Yeah, a, a van of some sort. She, <laughs> she thought she was getting away, but she did not. Mm. Um, yeah. So who do you have cast for Beth? I went Dan- uh, Danielle Harris. Um, she was in an episode of Roseanne at the time and Bo- Boy Meets World, and she is Halloween alumni. She was like the young uh, girl in Halloween. Um, okay. She she played early on, like kind of girly, mm-hmm. playing like you know because she was the pretty girl. She could get the guys, whatever. Yeah. So I felt like, but she plays a good person as well. So she would be like a really good sister to Max, but also gotcha. be kind of distant as well. So yeah, ninety one. She's in. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. So, yes, so that, for people that needs a little more context going on. So yeah, I could see that for sure. I picked uh, Ariana Richards. Most people will know her as the older sister in Jurassic Park, the original, not these. This trilogy of uh, garbage that we got with Chris Pratt. Anyway, um, but I think she just she can play that line of like being kind of the uh, angsty older sister that's like, oh, I'm too cool for this, but also yep. being likable enough that you don't want them to get taken by Krampus. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. All right. Stevie, the cousin. Who do you have for Stevie? So I went uh, I went DJ Tanner. I went Candace uh, Cameron Burr. Okay. Um, only because, like, she's always kind of played the role of, like, not really being, like, the girly girl. She's always been the tough one. Yeah. So I think she would play that role very, very well. Mm-hmm. And this is early play- on Full House run, you know, yeah, early so she- 90s. So she's not the, she's not quite the teenager that I think a lot She would have been, yeah, in the 90s, I think I looked up, she would have been, like, 13, 14. Yes. So she still would have been a good mm-hmm. age for this yeah. role. Because I think a lot of people will associate her with later Full House seasons where she's definitely the teenager that's going on dates, talking yes. to Steve. Which is yes. funny. But um <laughs> I didn't put that together. Yeah. I picked Shauna Waldron. Uh most okay. people will know her as Becky the Icebox from The Little Giants, which is comes out in ninety-four. So this I think is an earlier uh role for her before that, but I think she can nail kind of that t- obviously the tomboy yeah. uh vibes of Stevie, who's not, who just kind of is just giving Max crap the entire movie, especially during during the scene of the dinner table when her and her sister steal his a uh, letter to Santa and just start mocking him for it. And that's where pretty She's much like, where things Dad, blow up. Where she goes, dad did not want us to be boys. <laughs> which, which you're like, oh, they, I think you did. I love that they come in and they're just like, they're upset that the Steelers lost. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm like, that sets the tone right from the get go. I'm like, I know exactly where they're from. I know exactly <laughs> where their, where their importance lies. We can move on. 
it's it's little smart things like that where and it where it doesn't feel forced. It's just, and it, but it's it adds so much character work going on through the whole story. Yeah, definitely. Oh. Okay, who you got for Linda? Linda is Stevie's mom, uh, Howard's wife. Like mm-hmm. we said, quieter. But anyway, who you got? So, so I went on. A little bit of the younger side, because once we start talking about Howard, we'll like understand his character a little bit mm, more. Yeah. But he's a little <laughs> arrogant. He's a little just always wanting to be like wanting to one up people. Yeah. And just like expect a lot from people. So I like the idea of Linda being the stepmom to Stevie okay. and okay. Jor- Jordan and them. So I went Phoebe Cates, who, uh, of course, is known from Gremlins. Romy Michelle's time. reunion. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, no, no, I'm sorry. That's Phoebe from from friends so you're picking phoebe cates yeah from fast times Original high uh gremlins yes. so you're, yes. you're, you're doing, okay i see what you're doing a little throwback to the gremlins world yeah how old is she now she would have been 27 in the 90s okay so she's she's definitely yeah playing like the the trophy wife for howard yes. basically gotcha yep. okay okay i see i see where you go my brain was like wait a minute she's a child what are you doing that's wrong or no she's no. not a child anymore she can't play a kid we're not <laughs> casting the kid right now they, nick get it together <laughs> My Linda, I picked, uh, I, I stayed with an older mom. Yeah. Like they would say the same age. I picked Mary Steenbergen. Uh, most people will know her. She is Clara from Back to the Future 3, who Doc falls in love with when they oh. go to the West. Um, they'll also know her from The Mom and Step Brothers. Yes. And then Time After Time is also a, a nice throwback movie that people might know her from. I but I think she, just, she has that kind of sweetness to her. Like, mm-hmm. also just kind of like, well, I'm just trying to raise my kids. And, Listen, I and you would believe that she's like I couldn't tell Aunt Dorothy no. Like she she asked what we were doing, and I just had to I couldn't fib. And you're like, yeah, Linda, <laughs> Linda, damn it, Linda. <laughs> so yeah, so those are uh, thirty seconds or less. I think that's I think we're we're off to a solid start here. I think yeah, we're we're, we're, we're aware of the '90s. It's it's a safe place to play. I think for for the for all of us on the Quantum Recast, we we definitely know our '90s pretty decently. So let's move in to the main cast here. We got five names we've got to get through before the hour's up. And that is Howard, played by David Koshner. Did I say that right? I think so. Yeah. People know him. Koshner from uh, also from Anchorman and things of that nature. Appeared on The Office. Uh, Called Destination 5. Yes. Grandma or or Ami, who's played by Krista Stadler. Mm -hmm. Uh, Apparently, I don't know anything she's from. (laughs) Apologies. If you could. I don't. Yeah. Um, I, think I know. Yeah, I think Tom, she was kind of starting. Yeah, or or she's just you know it's hard to find a actor that is German and speaks German and is uh, able to do some English and stuff. That's very true. Or like we we wouldn't be aware of her is what I'm saying. So, but Tom Engel played by Adam Scott of, <laughs> of Parks and Rec fame. Uh, Sarah Engel played by Tony Collette of Hereditary fame and she's mm-hmm. kind of a horror icon herself now. Yeah. And then we have Max Ingle, the, the lead character, played by MJ Anthony. And we'll go a little bit further into each of them as we're going up and down the list. But first, we're going to start with Howard. So, Cass, I'm just going to keep passing it back to you. So, who oh. do you have for Howard? Again, played by David Koshner. He's like in Christmas Vacation. He's he's the crazy uncle. He shows up. And he's he, he's the one that uses a lot. They use a lot of dialogue for him. It's very topical. He's a very topical character. He's talking about guns. He's talking about global warming, how it's not real. Like he's, he's that guy and who's, who's a little more conservative. Doesn't necessarily cause, cause Max's family's obviously like the more middle to, to liberal kind of family. Yeah. And that's what's creating some tension between the two of them. It's a little bit of a clash of, of cultures and also like just how they, they raise each other's kids. But Howard's that typical type, but he doesn't go too far over the edge. I feel like. 
it really is kind of like that sort of not not saying that it's a political movie, mm-hmm. but it really does play into that because yeah. of the opposites of the families. And and a lot of people will probably say that's a 2015 modern kind of thing to do. Right. But when you watch older movies, writers are putting in this stuff all the time. Like, yeah. and, and there's always like a, a clash between, you know, your blue collar and white collar people yeah. in movies like this. And so I think that's just part of it. And I think people that are like, well, that's just a woke agenda. It's like, it's, it's not a woke agenda. It's, it's, it's showing that people are clashing. They're coming from different parts of walks of life. And yeah. I think they, I think they, again, it's not punch you over, hit you over the head no. with it. It's just, no. it's the same as the Pittsburgh line. He's just like, they're driving through the snow and he's like, global war in my ass and, and you're like <laughs> fair very fair you know like when you have something like that happen but but then you're but then you're also like well that's the whole point of global warming is that it's erratic and that the temperature is rising and falling at erratic levels but anyway that's a different discussion guess <laughs> who is your howard uncle howard so i love uh david koshner in this because yeah. it's, it's his type of role it mm-hmm. is he he i feel like he's known for being in these types like type of roles for everything like even final destination five he acted pretty much the same exact way but i wanted to try to go into like you know sort of that comedy route but i wanted someone that can play a little arrogant and play just not even the political but just at least like almost be like the one-upper as i said he's the good old boy that's what he is that's that's really all it is so i kind of to me i think this is kind of like a fun pick it's just kind of funny to see him like for this um i went john travolta um, so this was before Pulp Fiction, of course. He well, was doing a era, it's in the era of Pulp Fiction. Yeah. But. Yeah, it was ninety four that Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. came out. Um yeah. he wasn't really doing too much like in the early stuff. It was kind of, I felt like they weren't notable movies in the like nineties through uh like ninety three. Uh-huh. But no, I just think he would be fun with it because like I just, you know, kind of think of his like roles in the past and it would just feel like He's one-upping his, I, I can't say brother. I don't know why I feel like Howard and Tom are brothers, but the, it's just because they almost act like it. Kind of. But, um, but I just feel like he's just trying to be better than the, like, than he's trying to, he's trying to throw his, family. he's trying to throw his manhood around. A little yeah. Bit. So I just, I don't know. I think John Travolta would have fun with it. That's kind of okay. why I picked him. Cass, you were doing so well on the 30 seconds or less. I, I know. I do not see this. Like it's the only fine. time I've seen John Travolta play a blue collar type of role, he's like, he's like a land line kind of worker and it does not work he's trying an accent it does not work so i this is this is pretty left field for me i went with a safer choice i but i, I kind of wanted to throw in a bit of a memorable name so i threw in ed o'neill um, at this point he's doing mary with children but he's making appearances in wayne's world and wayne's world 2 oh. and topping off the early 90s with little giants where he's the coach so we're getting a little bit of re- reuniting here with or maybe pre little giants uh match up with him and start who i picked for stevie but uh, i think he kind of rides that line of being serious to funny really well and he 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 was definitely the epitome of like blue collar dad at that yeah. time no i see that i like the pick it's fine it's fine it's fine that john travolta's way left field i would never believe that he'd have a gun gun collection well, it doesn't have to be that. Like, this is the 90s. Is he still going to have, like, a gun collection? Or He's out hunting reindeer. He talks about hunt. He, he wants some game out while he's, while he's out and about. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I feel like Chevy Chase would have also been a fun choice. Yeah, but Christmas Vacation's right there. So he'd basically be throwing him into the crazy uncle role that he already had. He's a better as a straight man slowly losing his mind, in, in, my, in my opinion. So, listen. 
it's it's radio. You need to speak it's, your mind. It's, it's fine, Nick. Okay, it's there fine, Nick. There we go. That's better. That's what I wanted. All <laughs> right, move, move it, move it on. We've got uh, Omi next. Uh, Krista yeah. Stadler. Again, she's the she's the grandma. She's comes from Germany. Obviously, she knows she's she's the one that's giving us the background for all of the lore of Krampus. She's giving she's kind of giving us the warning, like, hey, you shouldn't do this. Make sure you write the letter. You know, most people, the only thing, it's a lot of German movies that she's from. So I'm not sure how they found her. We'll have to look up some trivia about that later. But I think she does an excellent job yeah. be, being heartwarming. But yeah, there are creepy elements to the character herself. Who do you have as Omi? So I, at first, was like, who can I pick as older? And I went Betty White at first. But I was like, no, I don't know if she could. I don't know if, dive I don't know if she'd pull off that. <laughs> yeah. That, so I went with an actress named um, Lois Smith. She's okay. in a lot of um, dramas. Um, one that is known as Fried Green Tomatoes that came out in 91. Got it. Okay. So yep. she would have been in her 60s. And I think she would do, like, for her to be in a drama, I think, she, like, in drama movies, um, I think she could play the role very, very well of, like, being the sweet grandmother, mm-hmm. being there for Max, but then also, like, telling this, like, brutal story that, you know, she went through. So even if it doesn't have the German aspect to it, you still get, like, a sort of vibe of how like what life she lived yeah okay i get, I get what you're saying i, I kind of i can see that i can see that yeah there's no trivia on krista Stad- stadler on IMDb. i thought so i'm disappointed i was like I'd... they might have maybe they found her or something but yeah anyway that's a little disappointing <laughs> uh my pick i went with uh it's, she may not be known to modern audiences very well sally ann house um people will know her from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. She was truly scrumptious. Back, she was starred across Dick Van Dyke in that uh, beloved classic uh, family movie. I thought oh. it'd be fun to throw her back into audiences uh, yeah. here. And I think uh, she'll she'll do a great job. I think she watching some clips and stuff, some stuff she did in the 90s, she definitely has that a, a little bit of a warm presence, but she's able to kind of deliver some serious dramatic stuff as well. Yeah. I think I think she's a good fit here. I agree. I think that's fun. I have not seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in a long time. A long I think <laughs> I may have watched it once in the last 10 years, but it's, I watched it in school and that was like middle school. Everybody always talks about the creepy candy guy. It's it's also one of those weird like borderline. It's not a Christmas movie, but because it's a family movie and it's yeah. a classic like old school and it involves toys, it gets thrown into like marathons and stuff around this time of year. Yeah. Okay. So, moving on, let's get the next one up, which is Tom Engel. I'm surprised Woo! you didn't put him up higher, but mm-hmm. it's fine. Your Adam Scott love. Put it aside, cast for a moment. Okay. And I want you to find, I know it's impossible, but find someone to replace Adam Scott in this role. He's the dad. He's, he's much more the laid back, not, not so much an alpha male compared to, like, Howard's character. But he's more thoughtful, and he, he wants to, you know, do right by his kids and his family. But he's, he's the busy work dad, too. And it's Adam Scott. And it's Adam Um, Scott. (laughs) All right, I'm done. Um, Yeah, I I think that's what I like. And I think that's what I liked about Adam Scott with his role was that he does play like the laid back. Not not that he doesn't discipline his kids, but I think it's just like he is kind of more like. I'm not trying. Let's sit down and talk about it instead of my way or the highway. basically. Yeah, because like even like when he like goes and talks to like Max, like. In the beginning of the movie, like it's just a very understanding. Like it's not like he's yelling at him. It's just right. very yeah respectful. It's pretty much what parents should always do, really. You know, I, I think it's uh, you know it's parent. Par- it's the, the parenting styles are kind of compared contrast on this movie, and 
and yeah, everybody has their own way of doing it. But yeah, their their way is obviously much more like let's sit down and talk about it. <laughs> like, why did we do this? I get that it's rough. I know that the family's coming. But yeah. Anyway, who's your pick? I went. Which might, this one might also be kind of a left field, but I want to see him in like more of this like calmer type of role. But I went Patrick Swayze, who did, who is a well known actor, but he was doing Ghost at that time mm-hmm. uh, in the 90s. But um, I just think he would be fun because he has played like, I don't want to say a parental role, but like if you think of like the outsiders back in the 80s, he's always he kind was, of the older brother, yeah, the older person in the relationship, like in Dirty Dancing. Rarely yep. is he the guy that's, the new kid on the block or that's yeah. that's experiencing all of this through someone else's meant he's he's always a mentor figure of sorts yeah um yeah i could see that he, he's never really played a dad before from and the, i think that would be fun like i think he would do really well because he does have the outsider's background for mm-hmm. you know being the older brother and i don't know i just think that would kind of i well, could listen, see him being more the laid-back dad yeah. more than like the i'm gonna well, yell at you for well he's he's a home. he's a sex symbol and he's an action kind of hero through the 80s and 90s um obviously ghost is not that but he was a he's a heartthrob so yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be different that adam scott is all i'm saying i mean speak it's gonna be different yourself. all right i get speak for yourself I get your nerd um, crush on nerdy adam scott but I, i'd like to say that one of our friends also likes adam scott I, too, but. correct correct but i didn't stray too far from from where you were going though like i i picked a lesser kind of guy that's known for action movies uh michael bean uh, you know him from Terminator. He's Kyle mm-hmm. Reese in. Uh, uh, he's in. He's Johnny Ringo in Tombstone. Nice. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. He's having a an, an okay little run here in the '90s, but really Tombstone's the most noteworthy thing. He's doing movies like Navy Seals, Time Bomb, K2, and Deep Red. Mm-hmm. But I think he he he's not an Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, in yeah, action yeah. movie, he was always like even as Kyle Reese, he's the everyman that's trying to come up back and save the universe. So I think he. Can have he's a, he, there's an everyman to his action hero that helps mm-hmm. works being a dad in this scenario that's thrown into an extreme situation because at the end he is he's getting everybody to the car he's trying to he's going out in a blaze of glory with the guns so there is some requirements to have some action there going on. I, I will mm. admit I think that scene actually makes me tear up a little bit because it is oh like a very gosh. It, no it's not because it's Adam Scott but that scene is very emotional because it is a weird moment where it's like Max and his parents almost having like they're bond yeah. again yeah. and you see it with um tom and sarah that they're mm-hmm. like they're almost showing their love again and he yeah. just kind of like admits like that he because i don't even remember what he says to her mm-hmm. and no, it's, it's he, definitely he a, it's, it's a tough moment because yeah the family's reuniting but it's but it, if you think of it from a realistic standpoint it's like kids are being killed in this movie <sighs> off screen obviously but like trying to deal with that as a parent you know, like that's hard to process as well as losing, you know, your potential, your own kids and wife and child and stuff too, you know? Yeah. Okay. Let's get done with these top two We're running short on time here, but coming up for number two, Sarah Engel played by Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. Again, hereditary for those of you that probably are wondering who she is, but who do you have for Sarah? Kat? I went Jessica Lang. Jessica Lang, American oh, Horror Story fame. Yes. She was in Cape Fear, Cape Fear in 91. As, yeah, as well as a uh, reboot of King Kong back in the day. Yep. But yeah, I, I can see that for sure. Yeah, she'd be a good, She she's a good uh, fill-in for Tony Collette. Easy. Yeah, Cause, definitely. Because she's, Tony's portrayal of Sarah is, is very much the strong-willed mom. Uh, she, she maybe says things she should say in front of the kids because like, when the daughter comes up, it's like, well, you said that they shouldn't breed. She's like, I didn't say that. I said they should have to take a test before they breed. 
So it's where that humor, it's humor and character building is really good in the scripts and interactions in these movies. But you, you get the tone of that. She's the mom that's just trying to make Christmas work. She's made the dinner. She's getting yelled at by the aunt. And, like she's trying to keep it together. Yeah, and eventually it, it yeah. just falls apart. Um, I picked Andy McDowell. She's really okay, big yep. in the early 90s. Uh, we just talked about her in St. Elmo's Fire on our last minisode. But she's doing Groundhog Day in 93, Four Weddings and a Funeral in 94. Uh, Hudson Hawk in 91 and those are the main movies that she's in at this time but she's definitely she's got some mom energy about we always oh, talk we about just, we, we talk about good mom energy and I think we Andy just, yeah we just talked about her in Ready or Not as yeah, well that's true that's true and mom energy she yeah. was a mom she's got she she could nail that mom energy but she also can play like romantic lead and stuff as well as we saw in things like Groundhog Day yeah I like it that's a good for one sure, for sure but yeah I think I think both are solid picks I think you can't go wrong either way with that for oh sure. definitely not well, that was easy. Let's <laughs> round this up. So for our final pick, we got Max. We here on Quantum Recast are not big fans of casting children just because nope. it's so hard to do with the rules that we put in place. I am going to be putting in a petition with Bory at the end of the year. <laughs> we still have Home Alone coming up, and that's going to be interesting in and of itself. Woo! But uh, for Max, you know, he's he's the he's our everyman in this world. He's he we're watching the movie really through his eyes. We get moments with the other family members, but it's really about him losing faith in Christmas and the holiday yeah. and the spirit of the season. Him being done with the family, for lack of a better term, the family bullshit. Yep. And he just, he finally, you know, he basically does the Macaulay Culkin, Kevin Malone thing. I just wish my family would disappear. Yeah. And, and Krampus is like, bet. So. Or, yeah, because he goes, I hate Christmas. I right. hate all of you. Mm -hmm. Runs upstairs, rips his, uh, <laughs> uh his letter to Santa and throws it out the window and the little pieces just get sucked up into the sky. Right. Right. So, so Cass, yeah. who you got for Max? So for, for fun, I did want to put Macaulay Culkin just to be funny to have him in home alone and then a horror, <sighs> but cool. I, I did it. I didn't. That's good. That's good. I went, I, did, I actually, that would have been, I mean, most people would say that's the pick you put Macaulay there, but who did you pick? I went Alex Vincent of the child's plays. Alex Vincent. Yes. I'm assuming he is, again, a child. Not, he is a child, he's, but he's, he's the child in yes. the first child's play. Okay. Yep. Gotcha, he, gotcha. he was literally, I believe, like eight through 10 or 10 through okay. 12, at least. Yeah. So it's still the good age for what um, the actor that Max, um, the MJ, actor who played yeah. as Max. Mm -hmm. um, but I think Alex Vincent would do like a really, really good job because in child's play, he was a little more innocent. But of mm -hmm. course, like with, having Chucky, like Chucky pretty much like traumatized him. So I also just like the idea with this movie is like, this one is Christmas based. Yes. So it is going to be a little bit more like, okay, now his faith is lost. You're going to see this little bit of edge to him where he's like angry. Right. So it's like, I, I think it would be a fun role for him. Cause he's not in too much. He's still like doing the like child's plays right now. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's who I went with. Cool. Yeah. MJ Anthony, he's known for uh chef. The, mm -hmm. and then bad moms and yeah. he has a voice role in the jungle book movie the, oh. re, the remake that came out i went with i i i gender bent yes okay and i'm picking anna chlumsky she is from my girl uncle buck my girl too obviously and then she was in trading mom uh, in 94 but she's she was a a lot of people will know her from my girl and probably uncle buck but i think she, she, you know you're going against macaulay culkin in my girl and she holds her own easily so yeah. i think and she has a very relatable. She could easily have been the Stevie role, but I I liked her as the lead role here. I was She's looking very at likeable. her today. Yeah. yeah, but I I think she can just 
nail that role really well. And it's not a role that requires a specific gender by any means. Like No, no, it's just about a kid that loses their faith in Christmas. And, yeah, like, yeah, and family, so. basically. So. Yeah. Which is what the spirit of the season is about. So Merry Christmas. Merry You're gonna Christmas. die. <laughs> You're gonna die. No. So that's it. I I mean, that's pretty much the cast list that we've created. Um I think that we have a pretty solid list here. Cast went went a little left field here and there, but you know, I I'll leave that to the audience members to make their their final verdict. Uh, you know, comment on our post when it comes out. Let us know what you thought about our cast list, which one you may have liked better, worse, who you might have put into this uh cast list as well. Don't judge but, me. But don't, you know, don't judge Cash too hard. <laughs> you know. I had one left field choice. It's fine. Yeah, you know, maybe one or two, but anyhow. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's Krampus in the early 90s for us here on the Quantum Dreamcast minisode. Be sure to subscribe, hit the like button, share this with your friends and neighbors, maybe your family during Christmas when you're tired of them, or just go listen to it by yourself. Who knows? There's many possibilities with this. But uh, be sure to uh, tune in soon for after this. We'll have Home Alone in the year 2000. And then we'll have a little a little special episode coming out after that that you'll find out if you listen to the Home Alone episode. Mm. But uh, other than that, I think that's pretty good. I think yeah. that's it. Be sure, like I said, follow us on social medias at Quantum Recast. We're on everything, pretty much everything. If there's something, we'll probably jump on it at some point. Yeah. But Cass, thanks for jumping on to talk about Krampus with us. It's a, yeah, it's, a it's an underrated Christmas uh, classic, I would say. Oh, Christmas horror classic. But we hope that you enjoyed as well. You enjoyed the episode and be sure to check us out next time. Yep. Uh, Say goodbye, Cass. Goodbye, Cass.